Today, we cover ESG investing, what it means, how it fares in the current economic and political climate, and how it works in portfolio construction. Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Julia Herman, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It is the week of October 17th, 2022. And in case the voice at the top of the podcast sounded a little different, we are without Lauren today. But fear not, because we are hosting a very special guest, and we're discussing a very special topic. We're joined today by Uni Pope, the head of U.S. Sustainable Investing at New York Life Investments. She's going to be taking us through all things ESG related. So thank you so much for joining us today, Uni. Thanks, Julia. It's great to be here. Okay, let's start off by getting all of our listeners on the same page, because believe it or not, the misconceptions about ESG start at the very beginning. Uni, can you tell us what is ESG and what does it mean for investors? ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and ESG investing is an investing approach that takes into account environmental, social, and governance factors in the investment analysis. So this means that in addition to traditional financial factors that are used to evaluate a company, like net income or P.E. ratios, an investor would also look at these types of ESG factors when making an investment decision. Okay, that's a great start. Can you give us an example of some of those E, S, and G factors that might matter to companies and investors? Sure. So an example of an environmental factor that could be considered is something like climate change. How could that climate change impact a business? Or how does a company manage its natural resources that are part of its supply chain? For social factors, this could include how a company treats its people and its relationships with customers, looking at things like employee safety or customer data privacy. For governance factors, examples of this are how a company maintains its operating standards and includes things like executive compensation and how it hopefully stays away from bribery and corruption scandals. With those examples in our back pocket, let's dig a little bit more into the topic of ESG itself, because as I mentioned up top, myths abound. Now, one of the most basic misconceptions that I've heard about ESG is that if you're pro-ESG, you are a tree hugger or the environment or human rights have to be your number one priority in all things. So what would you say to those with the misconception that ESG is all or nothing? Well, I think that investors should look at ESG investing as a way just to be more thoughtful about their investment approach. While many think of ESG as a way for an investor to build their values into their investments, as you mentioned, tree hugging, which would be someone who would want to make sure that the company is really just thinking about environmental conservation. But I also like to think of ESG investing in very practical terms, which includes looking at materiality. Say more about materiality as it relates to ESG. So materiality is the assessment of which ESG factors are directly relevant to the long-term financial outcome of an investment. So an investor should think about what can really have a material impact on my return? Is a company operating in a way that's going to allow them to be there for the long term, for their customers, for their employees, and in relation to the community and the environment they work in? 
For example, even if you personally might not have the environment at the top of your priorities, what about a mining company that depends on natural resources as part of its supply chain? You would want to make sure the company is thinking about how they manage those resources and not just deplete them permanently. Otherwise, that kind of poor management of scarce resources really threatens their long-term business continuity and therefore your returns. You'd also want to make sure they're thinking about their impact on the communities they work in. Otherwise, regulation, penalties, fines, and reputational risk is also going to hurt your bottom line. So this is what I mean by a practical approach, which would be grounded in materiality, and it can allow us to think of ESG in two different ways. First, as a way to guard against risk that can't necessarily be measured by only looking at financial metrics, and second, as a way to identify opportunities related to these factors. It's really important that you've brought risk into this conversation, and it's one of the reasons that we believe that we saw institutional investors start to consider ESG concerns in their portfolio decisions so early relative to all of this. They're often thinking about the very long term with respect to their investments and the environmental, reputational, and even business risks of their investments are highly relevant for that group of investors. So now that we have a sense of those risks, can you talk us through an example of how ESG as an investment approach could mitigate some of these risks? Sure. So let's consider an example of a social media company that shall remain nameless, but let's say they've been making great profits and had a growing customer base for many years. So traditional financial analysis says this is a great investment. But over time, it gets embroiled in major data privacy scandals about how it's using and selling customer information. And this has a huge negative impact on their stock price. An investment approach that considered these social and governance aspects of the company's practices could maybe have spotted those risks earlier because it would have flagged the business model that incentivized the sale of customer data to marketers and the overly concentrated management structure of the company as risk factors. So I see ESG investing as an additional way to think about these kind of risks and also opportunities. So maybe you can save a tree or two along the way, but it doesn't have to be the primary objective unless you want it to be. That nameless company is a great example of the social and governance risks here, but let's bring in the environment. A really common thing to hear nowadays is that because there's been this massive commodity boom this year, because we're seeing that the world will probably be dependent on traditional energy for longer than what was originally hoped for, that ESG might not have a place. So how do you see sustainable investing strategies and sustainable corporate strategies fitting into what might be a pretty messy green transition? So if we think about ESG investing as a way to recognize opportunities, the energy transition is a great example. Recent events like the war in Ukraine, they've really demonstrated the weaknesses of the existing energy system. And for years, we've been seeing the effects of climate change in the more extreme weather across the planet. These challenges are pushing governments towards increased regulation of the energy sector to try to decrease its impact on greenhouse gas emissions, as well as increased innovation to produce a more resilient, widely accessible, and cost-efficient energy system. Knowing that consumer demand is also trending in this direction points to a great opportunity to invest in new technologies and infrastructure. And applying an ESG lens to this analysis is what brings this opportunity to light. So with regard to the commodity boom, this recent commodity boom, I challenge investors to think about the long-term nature of their investments. The simple fact that oil prices have soared during supply disruptions implies that the world is really going to look for different solutions in traditional fossil fuels. The market is going to look for a better answer than being beholden to a handful of countries that monopolize the world's supply of oil, which points to a real opportunity in the clean energy sector. However, as you mentioned, this will take time and could progress in a non-linear fashion. 
there's going to be world events and supply chain disruptions that could cause one sector to do better than another in the short term, as is often the case. But when you look in the direction that different governments' regulations, as well as consumer demand is pointing to, over the long term, recognizing these opportunities by viewing it through the ESG lens can give us, as investors, the patience to wait out temporary market disruptions and look to where the opportunities are over the long term. Such a comprehensive answer to that very complicated question, Uni. So thank you for that. All right. On our tour day misconceptions and our little myth busting spree here, we need to cover greenwashing. What is greenwashing? Why is it a risk to sustainability? And how can investors avoid it? So greenwashing is when a company or a fund makes false or misleading claims about the sustainability of a product or service that they're offering. So greenwashing used to only focus on claims about being more environmentally conscious, but you can think about it from all three aspects, E, S, and G as well. So this is obviously a real challenge for the industry and for investors as it's first unethical and it erodes the trust that an investor can have in a company or an asset manager. And it can also lead to reputational risk, loss of value, and even harm to the environment because it can mislead consumers into acting unsustainably as well. So what if you bought a product thinking that the company is only using recycled materials to produce it, but they've actually been destroying the natural resources instead? So you can see from that, greenwashing can be a real problem in the industry. Great point. And is there a way to avoid falling subject to greenwashing as an investor or even, as you mentioned, just as a consumer? The way to avoid greenwashing is through research and verification. You can look for companies that have maintained strong reputations in this area, that are transparent in their disclosures and upfront about their ESG practices. That brings us to our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. Uni, what is your advice for clients that might be looking to incorporate ESG into their portfolios? What options are there? There are several different ways that you can incorporate ESG into your portfolio. As a first step, you can give your portfolio an ESG tilt by investing in products that give broad market exposure while still considering ESG factors alongside traditional factors. You can also seek out specific exposures to certain themes via ESG thematic investing. For example, if you wanted to support companies that'll benefit from the transition away from fossil fuels, you can invest in a strategy that gives you exposure to the value chain supporting the entire electric vehicle industry. Or a second example, if you knew people who are affected by heart disease, you could invest in companies that give you exposure to companies coming up with cutting edge treatment of heart disease. Another way people think about ESG investing is to avoid certain sectors that you definitely don't want to support. Examples could be fossil fuels, controversial weapons, or companies with known human rights violations. This exclusionary approach can be used in conjunction with other ESG approaches as well. Some bonus content for you all today. Nylum has just come out with its inaugural ESG report. Now, as we've discussed previously on this program, Nylum has a multi-boutique structure of firms across continents and invests in almost every asset class imaginable. Uni, what are the key points of commonality in how these many boutiques approach ESG? So in our New York Life Investments ESG report, we outlined three fundamental beliefs around ESG investing that are common across all of our boutiques, regardless of geography or asset class. The first one is that we believe it's our responsibility to consider material ESG factors as we make investment decisions. This is something that we talked about before, and we do this because it allows us to take a more holistic views of risks and opportunities. 
The second belief is that we believe collective climate action is an investment in future generations. This brings us back to the idea of looking at long-term returns and the continuity of returns, as well as opportunities related to climate change and the energy transition, as we discussed. The third and final belief we outline is that we believe investing in people and communities will fuel innovation, progress, and growth. And this reflects our belief of the importance of the S component of ESG investing in terms of how we relate to the communities in which we live and work, how we conduct our business, and how we treat our people, and the expectations we have of companies to be good corporate citizens. Any other highlights from the report itself? The New York Life Investments ESG report also dives into each of our boutiques and highlights their progress with regard to ESG. As you mentioned, they cover different geographies and different asset classes, so we hope it can provide people with a good understanding of the specialization that each boutique has and how ESG applies to their respective regions. Also, it highlights our ties back to our parent company, New York Life Insurance, and how ESG is a priority on both the operational as well as the investment side. If you want more information, then you can go to NewYorkLifeInvestmentsESG.com for our report. This has been a tour de force, Uni. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up next, third quarter earnings season for U.S. companies is upon us, and it's not coming up roses. Stay tuned for our take. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at NewYorkLifeInvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamox and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. Impact investing and or environmental, social, and governance ESG managers may take into consideration factors beyond traditional financial information to select securities, which could result in relative investment performance deviating from other strategies or broad market benchmarks, depending on whether such sectors or investments are in or out of favor in the market. Further, ESG strategies may rely on certain values-based criteria to eliminate exposures found in similar strategies or broad market benchmarks, which could also result in relative investment performance deviating. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.